Hello, everyone. Um, it's Real Sankara Hours. It's, you know, this is Peter, uh, one of your hosts. Um, I know we've been off for a little while. That's been for, uh, uh, all right, hold on. <laughs> I don't know. It's a fucking weird thing to intro. I was thinking about if I should have recorded it beforehand, but, um, never mind. All right, I'll try this again. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's Real Sankara Hours. Um, <laughs> we've been off for a little while. Um, this is Peter, your host, one of your hosts. Um, and uh, it, there's no real... This is a very strange thing to intro. Um, I guess, I don't know if I'm making podcasting history or not. But uh, we've been off, and... <laughs> Because the past couple of weeks, um, my dad <laughs> was in the hospital for coronavirus, and then last week I had to. He, uh, they finally pulled the plug on him. I had to go out to Ohio, you know, say what I needed to say, and uh, it's been. I mean, it fucking sucks. I mean, I've had a lot of support, and a lot of people have reached out, and that's been good, and you know, for my family and everything, but it's fucking horrible, man, it's just, it's, it sucks, you know, it's, <laughs> and it, and it's extremely strange to have to, you know, talk about this on a podcast, but I, you know, there's no, I guess, way around it, I guess, I mean, we're gonna have to talk about, I was gonna have to talk about it at some point, and I'm not, and I, it's okay in the sense that, you know, I do want, <laughs> for the people who listen to this, you know, and it means a lot that, like, people, especially some of you that I don't actually know, like, actually <laughs> tune in and listen to what we have to say. I mean, I, it's, I, do, I do appreciate it a lot. And, you know, I always try to be as, you know, open and upfront on this, in this space as I can, so... I don't want to talk about it, but it is just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrifying and it's infuriating because it's just like this, you know, to have your life just irrevocably altered by this thing that you've been seeing on the news and it, you know, this historical event, you know, now, now that it's touched me and, you know, people who are close to me, it's touched them. Um, and people who knew my dad, and that was a lot of people. I mean, he played in a lot of, uh, you know, community orchestras and, you know, different arts organizations and stuff. He, uh, he was like a, I mean, he was a classically trained conductor that's what he went to school for i'm trying not to dox myself too much but uh you know he was he was a he was a great guy He's, you know uh i couldn't have asked for a better father you know and he learned so much about music we always talk about politics too and you know that's kind of how i got my uh my brain moving <laughs> from an early age and you know whenever we talk about music or going through the history of it, you know, that's, a lot of that stuff is just stuff I picked up, you know, going to different, 
um, concerts because <laughs> one of the things my dad did was start a ragtime band. Um, and, you know, I'd go to concert, the concerts he'd put on and, you know, he'd do the whole, he'd do a whole spiel about the history of ragtime. And it's, you know, and you can, actually, you can draw, allow, you can draw the line from like ragtime to hip hop. And, you know, basically the birth of American popular music. Um, and, you know, I mean, he was a, you know, he wasn't a radical, but he was a black man in America. And he, uh, you know, <laughs> he grew up in the 50s and, you know, in places and has memories of segregation in a way. I mean, he didn't grow up like in the South. He, um, he grew up on military bases, but you know, surrounded by racism, surrounded by segregation. Um, I remember you told me one time that he remembers watching a commercial for an amusement park when he was a kid and asking his dad, you know, if he, he could go to that amusement park. And he said, uh, and, and his dad wouldn't explain to him why not. And I guess I think about that and I think about... Um, you know, that that whole generation, I mean, you know, we say, you know, we may rip on the boomers or something, but they are still, you know, <laughs> our parents. And uh, just from from that to now, it's just fucking it's just it's just so like <laughs> it's just it's a lot for one lifetime, I guess, is I don't know how what I'm saying with that. Um, and you'll have to forgive me for being a little incoherent, you know. I'm sorry. This is, like I said, a very strange thing to do. But, um, I guess what I would let, what I want to say is that it's, it's, to have, to have such a full and beautiful life, you know, just taken by this fucking, you know, not just the virus, but the virus that comes in the context of, you know, America's completely dysfunctional political system and its, you know, basically murderous disregard for anything related to public health and then, you know, institutional racism in the medical field and then just the way, you know, like, I know that if he had been at the Mayo Clinic or the Cleveland Clinic or whatever... I mean, I don't know what would happen. I'm not going to say anything like that, but they would have gone about things a little differently. And, you know, I definitely re remember getting a sense from the hospital that they were kind of just wanting to move on with it, you know, get this thing over with. And you have to think, right, old black man, elderly black man, because he wasn't old. I mean, he wasn't, but, you know senior citizen black man with uh on a respirator on a ventilator with covid i mean that's not going to take long i mean that's <laughs> definitely how i felt and it, i don't think that's really that far off from the reality though certainly i'm not saying that the hospital didn't do their jobs or whatever but you know the question is what is their job of course it's like the police or any other agent of the state even though this wasn't a state hospital and that's just that's the thing that really has been getting to me um is just 
how how do you like there's the actual grieving process which you know i also one also has to go through which is you know sad and if it's say this had been five years later to, due to heart disease or cancer or something it would be terrible in its own right but for it to be this shit is just something that is it's really it's re just really infuriating it's just really infuriating that like uh you know basically they whoever they are you know so they probably have names and addresses um you know they thought this was a life that could be taken and everyone you know from you know from I, not just trump but also mike pence uh because people like to forget that he you know was running point on a lot of the covid response stuff you know those people to you know the it you know the idiots who swallow you know the dumbest of all conspiracy theories and don't wear masks to prove their point about freedom or something to hospital bureaucracies to just you know the entire legacy and of institutional racism that you know is bad for one's health like having to live in america as black is bad for your health you know all of it i mean all of it you know took my dad's life before he was ready and he wasn't ready i mean <laughs> like like he wasn't ready like he just bought a new car and it's not you know it's not it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be this way and you know i guess on a metaphysical level or something you know i kind of believe in the sense you know time is a flat circle or whatever everything that can happen has already happened in you know that kind of quantum mechanics sense or something. I'm not a scientist, so please don't get at me about this. But, you know, basically, that kind of vision, understanding of the universe, I have a really hard time squaring that with this shit, with the fact that his life was taken by a series of decisions of men um, that, <laughs> you know, not God, not the universe or whatever, but people, you know, People at every step, at every level level of power. I mean, all of it goes in to to <laughs> my dad's life being taken, and and you know, not sure how to <laughs> progress from this. Um, I'm not sure how to, you know. I mean, we all have to figure this shit out on our own, I guess. Um, and, you know, like I said, every, people have reached, I've got, we've gotten a lot of support and that's really been helpful, but there's just, yeah, there's, it's just, it's just horrible. It just sucks. It fucking sucks. Like, like, that's just what I keep coming back to. It's just like, this fucking blows, dude. I'm not here for it. Fives are all, fives are all wrong. Uh, you know, negative 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Like, this is... This is, it's just terrible. And, you know, I do believe on some level that your con your consciousness goes to another plane of existence when it leaves the material body. And that prob at some point, I believe I'll be able to talk to him again. But until then, I mean, you know, it's just, it sucks. There's not, there's nothing, uh, 
nothing else to say about it um, other than it sucks and it shouldn't have happened um, and the fact that it did is something that it's gonna take me a while to figure to reconcile I guess I don't know people have asked me if it was a surreal experience going through all this and I would say it's hyper real um, it's the opposite uh, like, I feel like I'm in a Steinbeck novel or something. Like, these are the fucking times, man, and I'm in them. You know, and now I'm one of the, now I and, you know, my brother and the rest of the family are part of this, you know. And I guess on that note, um, I'll, I'll leave you, I'll leave you with this and then we can get into the rest of the show, I guess. Um, just because I find it funny, and now I have, I'm have i allowed to say some shit like this because uh, <laughs> because it this happened to me. And But anyway, one of the last things, one of the last conversations I had with him, basically before um, he went into the hospital, is like he almost word for word said, please vote. We have to get Trump out of office. And so my dying father's last request was for me to vote for Joe Biden. And uh, so I have to do it, right? Like, I'm not going to disrespect him in that way. And in a sense, it's good that I've been liberated from having to make a choice either way. Um, but... You know, it's like, I, I'm just, I'm not doing it for me. This isn't, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I mean, you know, so I'm, I don't have, to, I don't have to feel any particular way about doing it or not doing it. But at the same time, I guess it's, it is like, now I really, really, really don't want to hear any fucking vote shaming from anyone, especially anyone who says like, oh, you know, if you don't vote for Biden, it's because you're privileged and, you know, or you're some sort of imaginary phantom leftist edgelord who only exists in the minds of fucking Ava DuVernay, who's not a real filmmaker. Um, sorry, but it's true. Um, and just everyone else who is, uh, who, who's, who, want, who wants to do this shit. I mean, yeah, like he's Trump is probably cooked and i think even this this post office shit and you know trying to get someone to come in and tell come on and talk about it but i think even that is really just more of a public show of intimidation than it is actually degrading the post office's capability to the point that it can't count mail-in ballots at the very least because postal workers are unionized and they're not going to just kind of let that happen, you know, once again, um, <laughs> organized labor is really the only bulwark against fascism. It's not, it's not the fucking Democrats, guys. It's not, it's just not like, in case you didn't understand the whole thing about fascism is you can't vote it out. So the idea of voting against fascism is just completely absurd. Like if that, if that level of power and that ideology has taken hold at that at the hot at those levels of power voting is not a thing you can do to stop it so i just want to make that clear and now the other thing i want to make clear 
is when people say, you know, it's your fault, like they try to blame the left. I want people to think about it this way is do you really think the powers that be the that control the fucking empire would really allow any presidential election to actually be swayed by the decisions of burned out lefties like whatever smattering of them there are do you think not just is there enough of us to sway elections people will be like oh well you know they're like you know hillary lost by like eight thousand votes in wisconsin there ten thousand votes for jill stein i mean though you're starting from a false premise because those votes were never hillary's and there's no amount of shaming and scolding you can do i mean because you've certainly tried there's no amount of that you can do to actually get everyone to turn out and one that's why I do find it hilarious that people who want to say anything related to socialism or communism or even Medicare for all are like pie in the sky fantasy ideas. And then they just without missing a beat, say something like, well, if we if we could just get everyone to vote as though that isn't some completely absurd, fantastical premise in its own right. But it's not one that is deemed as such by, you know, the serious people capital S, capital P, and so they get to continue on with this bullshit, and, you know, if Biden gets in there, whatever, they're not gonna fucking do anything, everyone knows that, and then we're gonna be back in the same shit every single four years, forever, you know, trapped in the same repeating reality, and until we build something powerful enough to make it not happen. And, you know, like, I've been going hard trying to, you know, immortalize or just memorialize my dad, um, partly because I think that I want to believe that, you know, they picked the wrong one, right? Like, they didn't know what they were doing when they picked him, and, you know, whoever they are, we're going to make them suffer. But the, And that, you know, they thought they could get away with it. The truth is that they already have gotten away with it. And... You know, they will continue to get away with it until we make them stop. Um, sorry, I blew past. But all right, one final thing that was has been on my mind through all this is basically just, you know, <laughs> understanding, you know, the re- reality of the medical system. I completely and totally sympathize with Tupac checking himself out of the hospital the moment he was physically able to. Everyone thought he was crazy, but I totally get it. I Hospital is a bad place for a black man to be. And I think, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's something about, I'm not going to get into all of that now. But what I wa- do want to say is that um, it made me realize just how many black families, like not even dealing with lynchings or police executions or imprisonment or, you know, you know, mass incarceration or any or lead in the water or lead, lead paint or any of the other manifold instruments of black death that America has at its disposal, just like hospital negligence. How many black families have lost a loved one just for that, just for institutional racism? 
I mean, that's got to be in the millions, right? I mean, over, let's say, the past hundred years, right? And there's no real grief. There's no real, like, uh, religious ceremony or grief or whatever. Grieving practices when it's the state or the system that kills your loved one, not nature. So... (laughs) You know, other than vengeance, but figuring out who to get vengeance on, it'll be a different story. But, you know, it's very weird, I guess, to say that all these things that I've, all these concepts and systems that I've studied and, you know, I've been angry about, you know, but still on some level it was conceptual and theoretical. Now it's personal and you feel it personally and... And that's and that's it. That's America. That's the whole fucking thing right there. That's all of it. That's the what it's always been. It's what it's always going to be until unless we build something strong enough, powerful enough to permanently change it. Um, and so I guess that's all I got. Uh, you know, didn't do the plugs or whatever, but uh, Adam. Yo. Uh, I don't know if you got anything to say after that. Well, uh, well, we can just continue on, but I mean, I'll I'll <laughs> add that uh I never met your father, but like just talking to you as a, just knowing you as a friend for a long time and I felt like I got to know your father vicariously through your stories about him and um yeah, like when I heard the news, I was I was just uh devastated and uh um i think that was a very good tribute to your father and also i mean how it relates to everything that we're doing and that we're going to continue doing no matter what um and yeah yeah they can't stop us yeah yeah and now they really can't stop us um and you know, I guess one could say like that just adds fuel to our fire. And speaking of fires, um, this is this is at this is. That's <laughs> <laughs> a transition. Yeah, for you. that's that's why we're coming up on the on the podcast yep. scene uh, with transition. Yeah, like this, is, uh, this is this uh, is Adam um, at Adam Hudson Five on Twitter. Uh, you already know us and follow us at Slunkar Hours on Twitter, but. Um, Speaking of fire, yeah, I'm in California, and there's just well, we had a heat. We're going through a heat wave. I mean, the the worst of the heat wave already passed. Like we were in the triple digits for a, a week. Like it got up to, it literally got to 130 degrees in Death Valley, and where I live in the in the East Bay, it was around like it got up to like 106 at one point, 106 degrees. But the worst of the heat wave. Um, is dying down but last Sunday there was a thunderstorm which is very odd I mean we normally don't get like those kinds of like Miami style thunderstorms so there was thunder there was lightning and the lightning sparked wildfires throughout California and thanks to the dry vegetation we've had because of just you know not getting enough rain which also ties to climate change um there's yeah there's like a record there's like just a lot of fires throughout the state so 
there's this heat wave, was caused lightning, was caused these wildfires, and uh, there is a um, uh, this came out actually last month in the Sacramento Bee, and the headline is. California severely short on firefighting crews after COVID-19 lockdown at prison camps. Um, it said this week state prison officials announced that they have placed 12 of the state's 43 inmate fire camps on lockdown due to a massive outbreak at a Northern California prison in Lassen County that serves as a training center for fire crews. Until the lockdown lifts, only 30 of the state's 77 inmate crews are available to fight a wildfire in the North State, prison officials said. Um, so, like, since, like, 2018, California has had a lot of wildfires, largely in part due to just negligence and malfeasance of PG&E. But one, um, one thing that it's really shown is how much of uh, California's firefighting force relies on cheap prison labor. So basically prisoners and inmates make up a huge chunk of the firefighting force um, in in California, in addition to like year-round employees and people who are full-time firefighters. So because of the reality of the pandemic and prisons being just hotbeds, hotbeds of diseases, um, Oh, too, there are too many prisoners who are sick, and who and can't they they can't they can't fight fires because our state relies so <laughs> much on prisoners to fight fires rather than I don't know robustly funding a state uh, firefighting infrastructure to deal with wildfires because California around this time of year it's normal for us to get wildfires but the, uh, this this time around they're a lot more intense and our infrastructure. Yeah, they've been getting they've been worse. getting worse, and our infrastructure is weaker because of one PG&E just being a complete fuck up. Um, the The previous wildfires that were in like 2018, 2019 were largely caused by um, PG&E not updating uh, the electrical grid. Like there are a lot of exploding transformers that basically exploded in these very very rural parts of California. So for those of you who are unfamiliar. Like, the Bay Area and L.A. are the most metropolitan parts of California, but when you get to the rest of the part of the state, it's very rural, a lot of forest area, and with a lot of drought, like, that, that vegetation dries up. So when there's wildfires, that stuff is just basically kindling for intense fires. So the PG&E's, basically them not uh, updating the infrastructure as they should, um, it sparked these wildfires the previous years, but now, like you know, because we still have PG&E managing our, our electrical grid, on top of this lightning and this heat wave, it's just making this round of wildfires a lot more intense. And you know, if we had an actual, an adequately and robustly funded infrastructure with both our you know well managed electrical grid with it, along with well-supported um, firefighting force, it would be easier for us to manage these wildfires, but we don't have that. And the way this um, this ties into the election... Wait, 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 let ahead. me... Hold on, Go before ahead. you do that, I just wanted to add a little piece. Um, I think the California Department of Corrections tweeted about bragging, bragging about their volunteer inmate firefighters and 
I don't know if you've seen the thing where it's like describe America in three words, and one of them is like you know school lunch debt, <laughs> um, just concepts that just like could only yeah. ex- exist as a product of America. Volunteer inmate firefighter yeah. is mm-hmm. one of those, mm-hmm. as though as though yeah they're prisoners, but they volunteer right. for this at like two um, two dollars an hour and shit like that. Two dollars. Hey man, at least you get to be right. outside. Yeah. Uh, but also, I find it hilarious in that, like what, like I was talking about with Bath Ironworks in the last episode we did, which, by the way, I just want to say, um, update on that, uh, they actually reached a deal, and they basically got most of what they wanted, um, and Bath Ironworks and General Dynamics backed down after they had to get, like, the Secretary of the Navy involved. Um, so, good for them solidarity it actually works um but let me say that in as i brought it up it's the same thing where it's like the empire is eating itself like oh cow you know the system everyone thought they were slick like oh we'll just you know turn prisons into coronavirus hotbeds because then we can just like kill off the surplus population real easy you know and use it as a weapon of terror and then they played themselves because now they actually need all the inmates for labor, but they got them all sick, so now they can't yeah. use them. So uh, once again, the empire is eating itself. It's it's truly strange year. Truly a strange year. Twenty twenty, man. The twenty twenty experience. Yeah. This... But yeah. But yeah. I I uh, when twenty twenty is over, I want a tote bag with that on. I want a tote. Yeah. Twenty tote bag. The... Yeah, fire up that Justin Timberlake yeah. album. It was very yeah. prescient. But yes, one of the one of the people who made a big, you know, argument in favor of. I mean, I don't even remember. Well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll bring it. Adam I'll bring it up. I'll, it. I'll mention it. Yeah. So, as we're all pretty much well aware of, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, California senator and former California attorney general and former San Francisco DA. Um, she is the vice presidential nominee um, on, the, on California's yep. top cop. Uh, so, what Kamala Harris did when she was the AG of California is that um, she basically pushed her AG office tried to keep inmates locked up for cheap labor. So I'm gonna, I'm going to read a couple pieces from this, a, a couple parts from this Daily Beast article because it explains it. Um, order to reduce the population of California's overcrowded prisons, lawyers from then-California Attorney General Kamala Harris's office made the case that some nonviolent offenders needed to stay incarcerated or else the prison system would lose a source of cheap labor. In, 20, in 2011, the Supreme Court ruled in Brown v. Plata that California's prisons were so overcrowded that they violated the Constitution's prohibition of cruel and unusual punishment. Three years later, in early 2014, the state was ordered to allow nonviolent second-time offenders who have served half their half of their sentence to be eligible for, for parole. By September 2014, plaintiffs in the class action loss, lawsuit were back in court accusing California of slow-walking the process, which lawyers for Harris's office denied. According to court filings, lawyers for the state said California met benchmarks and argued that if certain potential parolees were given a faster track out of prison, it would negatively affect the prison prison's labor programs, including one that allowed certain inmates to fight California's wildfires for about $2 a day. So, 
basically California, like basically, but yeah, yeah, we were basically told that like, look, our prison system is so overcrowded that it violates the Constitution. So it it you have to release basically nonviolent offenders from prison to to k- take care of the overcrowding. But Kamala Harris's um her office when she was attorney general saying like no because if we do that um california is going to lose a large source of cheap prison labor including the prison labor uh the inmate labor inmate prison labor inmate labor to fight california's wildfires for about two dollars a day you can't even get a king-size snickers right. for that for two dollars right. these days yeah that's right re- think about that mm-hmm. think about that not you e- like, like, I don't even know what you could get in commissary for two bucks, but barely, not much, like, like, not even two ramen noodles, as far as I understand. Uh, you, yeah, you can't do anything with two bucks, much less in prison. It's ridiculous. And on top of that, um, so basically I wanted to bring that up because, um, California's wildfire crisis can be traced to the decisions made by Kamala Harris as attorney general. Not just Kamala Harris, but like the the way the state of California basically um, under resourced its state firefighting infrastructure and its firefighting force. Another thing I want to bring up, because this is just on the heels of the Democratic National Convention, which was I, by the way I forgot that it was going on. It's going on right now. I, 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 I forgot that it was going on. It is going on right now as as we're recording this. I yeah, believe. we are recording this on August 19th, 2020. Um so the Democratic Party, the Democratic National Committee um this is yeah, like a couple days ago dropped language which called for an end to fossil fuel subsidies and tax breaks from its party platform. Nice. So as California the state is on fucking fire and on top of that the arctic circle has been experiencing wildfires by the way recently nice and giant ice sheets have been falling off from parts of the world so basically climate change is already here and we're just basically i think it was i think i read some story that uh in greenland there was an ice sheet that fell off and it was basically like a, a point of no return scientists noted that so basically climate change is already here not just in california but in greenland parts of the arctic circle and in other parts of the globe um so as, as climate change is going on there is just one simple demand which is like a, the most modest demand which is basically ending fossil fuel subsidies which is like that's the most basic of demands the democrats dropped yeah. that demand from their party platform so like this whole like okay i get like like if people want to vote biden harris because trump is i don't i don't really care but like you have to realize how fucking like the, the deep kind of shit that we're in and how this bad is, things this, are yeah. and just voting biden in and, and the democrats like they don't give a fuck about climate change like this is no. i mean this is just it's what, just like what? it's it's a californian who's has been living here my whole life and like been seeing these wildfires get worse and worse it does like fucking piss me off that they can't even agree to this simple demand it's ridiculous i mean it's just like these, these people are psychotic what the yeah fuck? but oh but 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 adam like the oil executives like i was having lunch with the one with like all the oil executives and they told me that like they're not going to vote for trump this time because they because they're tired of him too and so like we got to get the oil executive vote so 
We can't. That's way more important than some fucking leftist purity test about climate change. We could get the oil executive vote. All 300 right. of them. Yeah, because they're going to. That's so important. That's the future of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Uh, oil execs who oil read executive. bill hooks. Um, and yeah. They're not going to read bell hooks. Come on. That's even asking too much. I think that, like, they won't even, they, that's the thing. All the Republicans that they bring in, they're not going to have to do any work to, like, be part of the Democratic Party. They're, the party's just going to cater to whatever they want because they're the important part of the party, you know, and then, you know, they'll, somehow the left will be even further out in the cold and somebody, Saw somebody on Twitter say, making UK reference, like we basically have the Tories and the National Front as the two parties now, and that's basically true. We have a center right party and a extreme right party, and that's what yeah. we have. There's nothing. There's no left mass vehicle for for political change. There just isn't. Um, that's why we have to. And speaking build. of building it. Um... We we did an episode on um, the movement for a people's party. There's there's going to be a people's convention, uh yeah, people's convention 2020, um that will be on August 30th. So yeah, the people's convention is going to be August 30th. So this is basically like the the actual uh like a pretty decent alternative to the regular DNC regular dnc so we interviewed nick branna uh of um our revolution and movement for a people's party so he's going to be speaking so is um caitlin sapozzi belknap and then um other people like uh dr cornell west nina turner marianne williamson mike gravel jimmy Dore, um uh, uh other people um so i I have not watched the Democratic National Convention, but the People's Convention sounds like a good alternative. I actually, before we were recording this, I was just thinking, like, just off the top of my head, like, my, given how fucked up things are, like, what my dream presidential ticket would be, and honestly, it would, I would, for me, it would be Jesse Ventura and Nina Turner. Jesse Ventura as president and mm-hmm. Nina Turner as vice president. I guess they were saying people who could, you know, conceivably in at least like one iteration of the universe actually yeah. win. So not Leonard Peltier, right? Yeah, who I who is on the ticket for the PSL. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Um, I yeah, I mean, also, yeah, I think that there is some juice to to that. I mean, there they there just has to be because this is just fucking ridiculous. Like, people are gonna have to organize because because this is just unacceptable. You know, it doesn't matter how bad Trump is. Like, I think about it this way, and I think I I'm trying to crystallize this uh, analogy. And basically, the way I see it is like you're in a in an abusive relationship, and I've been I've been cautious about the language because I don't want to trigger people, but. I feel like it's justified, and also if I, you know, content warning, I guess. But you're if you're in an abusive relationship, and every time you try to leave, your abusive partner says, "Oh, if you leave, there's a serial killer out there, and they'll just kill you, and so you have to stay." Like, like what else are you going to do? You have to stay with us. You have to stay with me. You cannot leave. 
um, or you're a terrible person, and somehow you're just as bad as the serial killer if you try to leave me. Uh, but, and you generally accept this because there is a serial killer, and they're pre he's pretty scary, and you don't want to get killed by him, and so you stay in, in this abusive relationship. But you realize, some, you start to notice then, like, somehow your abusive partner actually meets up with the serial killer, like, every week, and they, like, play cards together, and they go out for drinks, and, like, they, uh, you know, they're, they talk, and they talk about how they could put, they should be able to put their differences aside and work together, you know, and you're like, wait a second, how, how is it that you are always, like, striking deals with the serial killer, and when I say you're on the same side, then you freak out and say, how dare you suggest such a thing? You're terrible. You're just as bad as the serial killer. And then, you know, that that's uh, that 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 would be the Democratic Party up until 2016 is basically that situation. Right now we have a new serial killer who's uh, who's even scarier than the old serial killer. And now what's happening is that they you know, your abusive partner is has I guess, really, you know, fallen in fallen in with the old serial killer and you know they're getting pretty thick as thieves and now to protect you from the new serial killer on the block they are your abusive partner is saying is suggesting that the old serial killer move in with you into your house but also you still can't leave because you'll be killed by the new serial killer who's 10 times worse and so therefore and it, so if you try to leave now, you're as bad as the new serial killer. And that's where we are now, is that the old serial killer is now being brought into the house with the people who've treated you like shit and don't give a shit about you and, and you know, throw all sorts of horrendous tactics if you threaten to leave. Now they're bringing in the old serial killer because they say, we, oh, we have to do that to fight the new serial killer. But then what happens if... The process repeats itself, and then another five to ten years, there's a new serial killer who's even worse. And now they have to bring in the old new serial killer. And now you've got like a whole fucking serial killer polycule going on in your house, and you know it's only a matter of time before you die, but you still can't get out. Um, that's where we are. Uh, <laughs> and so I like <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it to people because that's the that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Like everyone is trying to kill us. I, I, you know, I want to bring this up because um, I want to bring up the um, a little bit of history that I think is actually very, very relevant to what's going on now. Um, and it's the the 1972 Gary Convention or the basic the National Black Political Convention of 1972 that took place in Gary, Indiana. Um, this. And I think there are some very important lessons to draw from the 1972 Gary Convention that apply to right now, not just with the left's relationship with the Democratic Party, but also black people's relationship with the Democratic Party and the entire political system. Um, so the th this this convention took place from March 10th to March 12th, 1972 in Gary, Indiana. And there were um, black organizers and activists of different, like a kind of like a, a, a across like the ideological spectrum. There were black socialists, black nationalists, black members of the Black Panther Party, black Democrats, some black Republicans, 
um, Jesse Jackson and Amiri Baraka were there. Um, and okay. uh, they both agreed that the white run two party system did, uh, doesn't didn't work for black people and that there should be a need for a black agenda. That's pretty much what they all agreed on. Um, and what really led up to this were like a number of different factors there uh, the assassination of Martin Luther King in 1968 uh, the assassination of Malcolm X um, and, and in 1968 when King was assassinated the civil rights movement had pretty much fractured at that point so it it moved away like like you know during like when King was alive and before that a lot of the civil rights movement was focused on integration getting legislative uh victories and stuff like that but when king was assassinated it basically signaled to a lot of black activists that like you know what the whole reformist integration approach isn't going to work because it got you know look dr king was assassinated so it got a lot more militant so uh the black panther party got a lot more popular there are more black militant um organizations and there is also more of an embrace of uh, black nationalism and black radicalism. And at the 1972 Gary Convention, there were two factions that emerged, and one faction won out. Uh, the first faction, which uh, was, was kind of, I wouldn't say spearheaded, but one representative, uh, one person who represents this faction is, uh, was then Gary, Indiana uh, Mayor Richard Hatcher. And basically that faction was more reformist and they said um they agree that there's a need for a black agenda but it was better for black people to work within the two-party system so mayor hatcher argued that reforms and change for black people could be achieved through the two-party system as long as the parties agree, uh responded to black people's needs and then the second faction uh, basically argue that there needs to be an independent black political party. And one of the name the name for it was the Liberation Party. Um, Jesse Jackson, he supported that the Liberation Party and that idea. Um, and it was also pushed for by black radicals and black nationalists. And Jesse Jackson all, also supported um, basically bolstering uh, black institutions. So one faction bas said black people should work within the, within the two-party system to achieve change for black people and then the other faction said we need to organize outside the two-party system and have an independent black political party to push for changes and reform specifically for black people's needs um the naacp they opposed black nationhood and they were more the naacp has always been pretty reformist so they were more like they they were they were not on board with the idea of um of black nationhood and but then after the gary convention the idea of the independent of an independent black political party and a strong black agenda that that was pretty much ditched so people like richard hatcher mayor hatcher and the congressional black caucus um they actually renounced the black agenda's support for a palestinian liberation um and they also basically supported the the congressional black caucuses watered down black bill of rights and so the direction of black politics went in the more reformist work within the two-party system route so ever since the 70s 
what's been considered black politics is just basically work within within the two-party system but at this point it's just like getting black people who are members of the democratic party machine and these same democrat these same black politicians do not respond to the needs of black people they are just basically um democratic politicians who happen to be black and i wanted to bring that up because i think it's an important lesson of 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 um in terms of long-term trajectory of uh why just working within the two-party system to achieve any kind of progressive change doesn't work and why it's important to build um outside dual power to enact the changes that you want because when you have it because if a two-party system does not work within your favor because it's meant to work in the favor of elites who control the system then you need to build power outside of that system to get the change that you want um and i so in terms of how this applies to today for the 2020 election is that um even a lot of i've noticed even a lot of liberals and people who are not like pro bernie sanders like they're not super a lot of people aren't super on board with biden but they're like hey look vote biden and harris to get trump out it's like okay well a lot of those people seem to acknowledge at least rhetorically that the democrats are the lesser of two evils so they've pretty much agreed like okay the not all of them but some of them agreed like okay like the democratic party is flawed okay we both agree that the democratic party is flawed but for years and years and years i've heard people on the left on progressives and even amongst black activists say like hey look yeah the democrats aren't perfect but we just have to get in there and work within the system and push it in our direction without mm-hmm. building outside independent political power so you can like the thing is like it is it, basically like the left when the left is trying to infiltrate the two-party system is basically boxing outside of its weight class like it's it's like an, in, a very very inexperienced boxer who's coming from the audience trying to fight a very very experienced heavyweight champion like like or maybe uh. that's a bad analogy but like it, it, well, no, I, I would say I would say this is that, yeah, it's it's not just that. But even if you got the best heavyweight boxer in there, maybe if you got Manny Pacquiao in there or Floyd Mather, Mayweather or whatever to go up against, you know, the act, the other boxer. The thing is, you're not just fighting the boxer, you're fighting the, it, you know, the league head, the person who owns yeah. the arena. They, you know even you know the gambling commission you're fighting all those people as you're fighting that boxer and all those people have a direct financial interest in you not winning that fight and so it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter you could get the best most determined most righteous most coordinated people you could you know you could get 85 squad members in the house of representatives such that you could really hold shit up or whatever in the in the democratic party you could do that but you are never going to get the billionaires out of the party they will never leave so until someone has a strategy for getting them out i don't understand why any of us need exactly exactly yeah and this is the thing that that always whenever i hear these arguments about like 
every four years, the left is like, well, we have to vote Democrat because the Republicans are so evil. I remember that argument being had in 2012 when it was Obama versus Romney, but now fucking Mitt Romney is at Black Lives Matter protests. So it gets to the point where it's like... He's got to run as Right, it gets to the point... I mean, look, Colin Powell... Colin fucking Powell, who lied... And who, Colin Powell, who lied to the UN about the Iraq having weapons of mass destruction, now he's voting... He's not... He's, he's supporting Joe Biden. Like, it gets that far where someone yeah. from the Bush administration who played a key role in a war of aggression that destroyed destroyed a whole freaking country and a whole region, killed hundreds of thousands of people, and displaced millions. Um, someone like that can be rehabilitated and can be seen as like, oh, you're a good Republican and you're going to work with the Democrats to get rid of Trump. Like, it'll probably be like an 8 or 12 years, like, people, like, these, these same Democrats are going to look back fondly on so Trump what, uh, when, uh, like... What, yeah, what, once you have just sort of some, you know, fused... QAnon homunculus that is just can barely even breathe then yeah trump will be speaking at the dnc and be like can you believe those yeah. guys right and, and the thing is that mean, the reason why the left is always in this position is because the left does not have independent political power outside of the system which is why i, I go back to the 1972 yeah. gary convention which is that the faction that argued for an independent black political party they were right like they were right on the money but they they got pushed out because yeah there were a lot of pe a lot of there are quite a few black people even in the seventies who I think were more concerned about getting jobs within the Democratic Party rather than fighting for the interests and needs of black people so that's why you have a movement like Black Lives Matter because it's filling in that gap because the Democrats have the black Democrats haven't done shit when it comes to addressing the needs of, of mm -hmm. everyday black people, especially when it comes to gentrification, healthcare, and police violence and poverty. Like, and, and so, so this is where we're at right now is that we're in 2020 and we're dealing with like a, a host of crises, a clusterfuck of crises that are like pretty much unprecedented in a generation, a pandemic, climate change, um, an economic depression, and uh, uh, police violence and, and racial unrest. We're dealing with multiple crises, all, all of it, at, all of it <laughs> at once. And how the fuck are you gonna address any of those crises when one party, like one party is far right fascist and then the other party is like, okay, we're not fascist, but we don't, they've dropped a demand to get rid of fossil fuel subsidies on their party platform. How the hell are you gonna get any kind of headway on any of those issues with a two-party system like that the only way the only fucking way you're going to get somewhere is if you build independent political power outside of the two-party system because then like okay let's say you do want to like work within a two-party system the independent political power like that will that you'll be in a position to force a concession from the system or you could use it to basically just destroy the system and replace it with something else but and this is something that yeah. like the left is never addressed like again in all these fucking arguments and back and forth i've been with with people it's always like well we have to support democrats to get rid of the republican and da 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 it's like okay fine like okay let's say you, you vote democrat fine vote what's the next step what ha you what usually happens during the next step is those same people wind up becoming apologetic for whatever the democrats do when they're in power yes which which is yes because 
Fox News is going to say a whole lot of race. I think I'm pretty sure they've already started. They're going to just say a whole lot of racist bullshit about Kamala Harris. And then all the concerned anti-racist liberals will be like, well, this look at all these horrible racist things being said about Kamala Harris. Therefore, we need to defend everything she does in order to fight racism. And then they'll just do all the same dumb neoliberal bullshit that fucks over the poor and especially the black poor. And uh, we'll be and then we'll end up with President Tucker Carlson and then Trump will be rehabilitated. And then, uh, you know, if Tucker Carlson doesn't end the whole fucking thing, then maybe we'll get another dipshit Democrat back in there. AOC will run. She'll get crushed. And then we'll end up with whatever the thing is on the other end of Tucker Carlson. I mean, this is like 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 political scientists talk about the pendular nature of the of this system where like it's and it's, it's just written in the eternity so i don't understand people who have any commitment to any sort of a progressive project or whatever like what is what do you want what do you want and how do you have any idea how you're going to get it because i'm tired of being on the defensive about all this shit i'm tired of always having to like explain myself to people who like just don't even really care like you like no you have an explanation for it the other thing i wanted to say is uh yeah when we're talking about building power some of that is a party i think there's def i I don't even think it's really a question that like we need a part we need at least like a progressive party if not you know if i had my druthers it'd be a workers party but but that's beside the point that's obviously one form of power, but the other is labor organizing. Organized mm-hmm. labor is the only thing that will really provide the real actual political muscle to get through like any structural changes. It's always that. Like like the working class is the revolutionary subject. They're the drivers of history. You know, like that's who like so if you if you're trying to figure out how you can best hasten the demise of the system and what's the most radical thing you can do it's organize your workplace yeah and um yeah like that that it's it's hard to like uh, yeah this is probably like one of the darkest episodes we've done i mean just just <laughs> this is like, i mean podcasting yeah. history i don't right. know i don't know if any other podcast has had to do this but you know, I hope we're not the, f- or I hope we are the first, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm also, it's not, it's definitely not the kind of history I ever wanted to make. Uh, I'm, and it's <laughs> just, uh, I mean, like you said, Peter, like this is, I mean, this is not theoretical. This is per, this is life and death. This is not. This is this yeah. is. I think this is another issue I have with people who make like the lesser two evils argument and da 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 is that like they're treating politics like something that's like abstract or a game rather than something that's life and death and needs real urgency so if you look at politics as a matter of life and death that demands real urgency then you you would be able to you would be looking at these issues i think with a a, a more clearer perspective and like okay let's say fine if you want to vote biden harris to get trump out fine i don't really care but the the thing is like what are you going to do afterwards because we all know that even if you get biden harris they're not going to do what's required to address all of these crises that we 
are experiencing simultaneously. Like, California is run by a Democratic governor, and, like, California still doesn't have its shit together when it comes to the pandemic and these wildfires. Uh, so, like, and and if California doesn't have its shit together, I think California, like, even though, you know, it's, it's the fifth largest... Yes, we understand. You love California. No, I don't. <laughs> I think California is a microcosm for America at this point with these wildfires. That's, that's, that's what concerns me. Wow. California pioneers a lot of the terrible things that get wrought on the rest of the country, like suburbia and fast food and mass incarceration mm-hmm. and uh, liberal. You know, well, white 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 boys playing I was, reggae. I, I was gonna say so. um, I don't think California really pioneered this, but it's definitely like a good a representation of it. But uh, uh, liberal, passive aggressive racism. Um, that's another thing California is really good at. California has a very deep racist history, um, especially when it comes to the treatment of Native Americans and black people. In fact, one of California's first governors was a proponent of genociding Native Americans and thought blacks were uh, subhuman. So that's California's history right there. Uh, so, yeah. Almost went to the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. So California is not like the the, the the liberal mystique of California is overblown. But I do, I do want to bring up California that I think it's a test case uh in terms of like well it's a microcosm of like you know what's going to be happening in the rest of america especially as climate change gets worse and worse because again the arctic has been on has had wildfires which is unfucking usual but definitely a consequence of (laughs) climate change and we're already you know reaching these climate change benchmarks a lot earlier than predicted with early climate science models so we're we're already in climate change right now and if the political system is not going to address it then those who do give a shit about the urgency of all the crises we're facing especially the climate crisis it behooves us to build independent political power and i do think that groups like movement for a people's party and people's convention like that's that's the step forward in conjunction with other stuff like labor organizing um pan-africanism um like we all like that's the thing like we all have to start like getting fucking serious about independent political activism that's outside of the two-party system because i think the left and this is what uh, been one of my gripes with the bernie sanders campaign is that all the left's energy got sucked into trying to um fight for change and reform within the two-party system without doing the crucial step of building um, robust, strong, independent political power that's outside the system. The the kind of independent political power you need to address um, mass incarceration, rampant police violence, institutional racism, the ongoing subjugation of black people, um, inequality, climate change, etc., etc. We can go all the way down the list. Anti-war, uh, the war machine. I mean, the the U.S. war machine is one of the biggest drivers of climate change. That often gets that often gets yeah. overlooked. Yeah, huge, huge. polluter, um, massive. So, like that has a direct consequence to what's going on in California right now. Yeah. So this is an example of like what we were saying earlier: the empire eating itself. Like th- this is it. We're already in this shit right now, and this you know whatever people think of the fucking convention, like I, like. Like who gives a shit? Like honestly, people should be paying more attention to the People's Convention. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna try to uh, watch that, and if I do, uh, I'll let you guys know what I think of it because I think the people who are on this um, 
they're the kind of people who uh, recognize the urgency of our moment. Um, there's also, oh, okay, there's like a, a postal workers union activist. There's uh, Chris Smalls. He was um, part of the walkout from the Staten Island Amazon warehouse. Um, Real king. Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, there's some, I think, legit folks who who give a fuck and who, who also have, like, their own track records of uh, pushing for um, independent political power. And oh, also, yeah, we need fucking Medicare for all. None of this access and affordability, no. We need fucking nationalized single-payer health care. And also, I think with California, like, it'd be nice if the after the PG&E the PG&E induced wildfire crisis that the electrical grid would just be put under public ownership instead of the PG&E ownership. I think that would at least like put California in a while we're, while right. We're at, at least it. do that. Like I would at least if California did that, I think would be in a better situation than we are now. Um, and also, yeah, like all these, these goddamn tech companies that are that are not paying enough in taxes. It's like all that money should be going to the the, the firefighting force, and we shouldn't be relying on fucking. Pr- well, well, none of, oh, well, none God, of them. fucking damn it! This shit pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I'm supposed to be. I know, the I know, one here, right? Okay, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. I think we got we probably got everything off our yeah. chest for now. We can end this a little. Yeah. Bit well, anyway, um, oh. <laughs> Peter, my condolences to you, my friend, and and yeah, and rest it, yeah, it, you know. R.I.P. Um, you know. Well, uh, he didn't get, you know. We'll see you, see you on the other side, I mean. And, uh, hope you, at least up there you can enjoy the show. <laughs> um, cause, 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 cause we're gonna have to live through it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll be back. I mean, we're not going anywhere, you know. It took a while. We actually tried to record this earlier, and I think it was too soon because Adam's computer froze, yeah. and I took that as a cosmic signal. Yeah, but it definitely it, was. We got through it, and uh, you know, we'll just we got got to keep on. Uh, you know, follow us, follow Resistance Noir. I mean, we're really trying to build something here, and we think it's important. So support them and support organizers and unions and activists you know in your own area and try and figure out what you can do to lend yourself up to be direct assistance to people on the ground not you know grant funded organizations that just you know meet and don't really do anything with the people actually risking their lives out there find a way to support them um that's that's what we got to do it's it's not gonna be easy and it's not gonna be fast. Uh, uh, I, before we end, I do. I want to share some good news because this whole episode is really dark. But I want to share some good news for once. Um, speaking of local activism, uh, I've I've been involved in a local campaign to um, get ethnic studies in the local K through twelve district, and so last week we did a presentation to the local school board about the need for ethnic studies. I presented and other um, educators and activists presented. We, we worked on this presentation together. We made the case for ethnic studies and why it's important, especially since 
95% of the students in our area are, are non-white. And the school board supported it. They were very much on board with our mm-hmm. proposal for ethnic studies. So now it's the time for implementation, which is still going to be difficult. But that is that's a victory like we won a a, a, you know a small but important victory um i mean the struggle still continues but um you know like there are things like if you're involved in your local community um you can win some small but very tangible and important victories that could that are often the building blocks for other victories and also the state of california announced that the california state university system Ethnic studies will now be a mandatory uh, course for all people. So basically, all the CSUs, all the CSU campuses throughout the state of California, ethnic studies will be a requirement. So, yeah, there's been a fight for ethnic studies um, that's been going on here in California. And and those are two, I think, very important victories. And uh, just some bits of good news I wanted to share, especially since things things seem so things are just so dark and bleak and depressing but you know those those victories you know i I don't want to say things are dark they're very white (laughs) right right white and depressing depressing. yeah these are yeah yeah so um yeah like get uh, as peter said like it's very important to get involved in your local community and i've been talking to some other people who are not black who want to support black lives matter and how to get involved beyond just social media and the response I've been saying is just get involved in whatever local activism is in your area. Um, support organizations. Yeah, you start. You start. Just you just gotta start showing up, and the more you show up, the more you'll figure exactly. out what to do. But you won't be able to figure out what to do until you start. Exactly. Showing yeah, up. and and with this podcast, we try to make an effort to point people to resources of organizations that are doing important work, and also highlight struggles that you know, we're involved in. And so like, you know, Peter with the bath iron, bath iron workers, um, me with, uh, ethnic studies and pan-Africanism, like we know we're like, we're not just podcasters. Like we're, we're two people who have been in this fight for a long time and we're still going to be in this fight because this fight's important and it's important to win more victories and build real power and real success. Um, and not just work through the two party system. So yeah, if you keep following us, um, we're, we're not just going to provide you commentary on what's going on in the world, but also very practical activists and movement um, stuff like how to get involved. So yeah, get involved in your local community. You never know uh, what you might achieve. And um, yeah, cause now, now's the time. I, like I said about how urgent the times are like, it's very very urgent to get involved yeah. in some local community yeah. activism. Yeah, yeah. People people will keep playing the game, but time's running out on the game, and there's no overtime. Like uh, when time's up, <laughs> right. it's up, and uh, then you gotta leave the stadium mm-hmm. and go back and be back in the real world. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess I I think that's all we got for yep. today. Thank you for bearing through this. Um, it, it's i mean it was good to be able to to get it off my chest you know it would have been much worse to like hold it in yeah. and still try and do this thing uh, so uh, um yeah. if you want if you want to support um if you want to if you want to support something in his name i guess i'm not going to give you his name on air obviously but 
Uh, look up the King Arts Complex in Columbus, Ohio, and donate to them uh, because they definitely could use it. Uh, so that's all I yeah, got. Um, yeah, donate. So what? what King Arts pr- Complex. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I'll give you. I'll, I'll put a link in. Cool. The show yeah. So support that and support whatever activism is going on in com- in your community. And um, to sign out, keep the faith. And stay dangerous. Peace. Peace.